Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Well, hey, 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 Emily. How wow. are you? Hello, Michelle. My goodness, I really liked that. Hey, 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 hey. I was, was trying song-like. to song-like. Yeah, I was trying to go for, you know, um, white middle-aged lady rap. <laughs> was it close? I think it was I think it was far better than that. <laughs> I think it was fabulous. Yeah, wow. well, I'm uh, I'm thinking about releasing my, you know, my new album on SoundCloud or something like, you know, next week. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I'll, I'll look forward waiting. to that. Everybody's waiting for that. Yeah. yeah. So, it's yeah. been a while. I know it has. Here. It's been quite a day. Yeah. I mean, I'm really glad to be here so that we can lift our spirits with an amazing guest and a wonderful bottle of wine. But I was yeah. very sad by the news today. So yeah, um, I know I'm, that our show is released uh, several weeks after our recording, but we did have something really important in the world happen today, the yeah. the fire at Notre Dame. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. It was really sad to see that happening. And I, um, I, I immediately thought that I think Emily's in a meeting right now, and I don't even want to send her a text message. I watched a little bit of the live video on it, and I I couldn't. It's like yeah. I have to I have to you know, not think about it. And um, yeah, yeah you just have awful. this this pinnacle of you know Gothic architecture and French history, and you know all these amazing things that have happened throughout the centuries in that place, and the fact that it is this you know safe haven of of art and hope and you know mm-hmm. it's a real fixture mm-hmm. of the city so it was interesting i was thinking about it it was exactly 10 years ago that i was in paris for the first time wow exactly wow well what yeah. is what is today it's in april april well, 15th i was traveling through 29 years ago around this time mm-hmm. i think i i was think i had already gone through paris at this you know, before yeah. then. Yeah. Um, but I was just so thankful I'd been there. You know, I've, I've got pictures of myself. Right. You know, at, at Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, it took 200 years to build the cathedral. Um, originally, I think it, the construction began somewhere in the late 1100s. You know, it took 200 years. So, you know, uh, given the the depth of the, um, you know, the, the destruction, and I'm sure it's, you know, we won't see it back in its glory in our lifetime. No, yeah. no, it will, I mean, it's one of those things that, I mean, you can rebuild it, but everyone will know that it's not the original, yeah. you know, I, I, it'll be, it'll be interesting in what they decide to do. Well, there are, you know, there are, I'm sure, uh, you know, I, I, I love, um, what I'm seeing, the you know, the the world is definitely mourning with France, and I, I believe that they will, they will get the right talent to restore it. I I really believe that. But um, you know, things like the spire that fell, mm-hmm. or you know, um, I, that was uh, not the original spire, and that that you know was reconstructed after the French Revolution and so like you know I there's been a few phases been, of reconstruction there have and, you and know. maybe we just look at it that this is the new phase of reconstruction right. I was glad to hear that they had they had gotten all the art out mm-hmm. um, the relics and the relics of the, yeah the crown of thorns. and that nobody died yeah because you know how how 
busy that place is. Mm-hmm. Possibly with the renovations going on, though, that maybe, you know, there were less people inside of it because mm-hmm. of all the renovations. And that was why they were able to get, like, nobody has died from it. Yeah. As of our recording. Yeah. Yeah. That is something to be very thankful for. So, yeah. yeah you know, I, I, I look at my journey to Paris for the first time 10 years ago as a real pivotal moment in my life. And I think I've talked about mm-hmm. that a couple of yeah. times uh, throughout our show. And, and you know, I, I definitely know that you and I would not be sitting here together had I not had that trip just because of all of the things that unfolded and the ripple effect of traveling to Paris yeah. and and what it what it told me about the journey that I needed to to move down in my life and and it was so pivotal and um, yeah. so yeah I, I found it to be really striking that here it was exactly ten years ago and here we are. Yeah, and it's just, um, I mean, and to see it on fire, I mean, that's that's like an immediate change, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and it's like it's a it's a, a natural element, mm-hmm. and it's not a, it's not you know a, a skyscraper that you know or a crane or or a bulldozer that you know went awry. I mean, it was it was fire, mm-hmm. and that's an earthly element. An right? earthly element. Yeah, that, you know, fire has been kind of following us around, Michelle. If you think about, it, we were just at a champagne bar a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, yeah, when they had the fire in their basement mm-hmm. and we had to leave. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, though, we had a really great server that found us in the next bar and brought our, our- not finished bottle of champagne yeah, to us. That so that was very, sweet. very nice of her to do yeah. that because I was complaining um, about that. But yeah, yeah it's. A, I mean, you know. Well, let us let us take our sorrows and uh, and appease them with some beautiful wine and conversation with our wonderful guest that's here. I'm happy to do and, that. Yeah. Um, so let's um, let's introduce our guest, Michelle. All right. Our guest today is a friend of mine and Emily's, mm-hmm. and she is a remarkable woman who has an incredible aura about her and a, a demeanor and and intelligence and humor, and you just want to get to know her more and be with her and be around her and, and be, be like be a part of the light that she shines. And her name is Melissa Russell. Hi, Hello, Melissa. Melissa. Hello. That is so beautiful. I, I'm just soaking up that. How often do you get to sit here and someone tells you what they admire, what they like about you? That's lovely. Oh, wow. You are <laughs> it's lovely. It's an honor to be your guest. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. What are you doing next week? Um, I, I, well, we're, you know, we'll be doing a show. And so we'll probably like part two of this this oh, episode. Send out the Melissa affirmation. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I met Melissa several years ago when I was suffering from some tailbone pain, or so I thought. And I had to have this this like this pain in my tailbone for like two and a half years. Like I I just felt like I had like a spike just right at my tailbone. Like I couldn't I couldn't sit in my car. Um, standing up, it was there. Sleeping, it was there. It was just this constant pain. It wasn't a sciatica that ran down your mm-hmm. leg or whatever. It was really localized, but like I had. And you had? Did you explore like traditional medicine and things like that to oh, figure out? what was Yeah, going on? I had. I had like a bone scan, and this was after I was done with my chemotherapy and all that sort of stuff. So I went through chemo. 
you know, hours of sitting in those chemo chairs in pain because of my tailbone and then getting chemotherapy at the same time. I mean, it was like, this is crazy. But um, I had done massage and it was a, my massage therapist that recommended me to go see Melissa because she's like, I think you need somebody that has like deep tissue or, you know, uh, my, you know, like she does myofascial and stuff. And so I went to Melissa, I was like, my tailbone hurts. And, uh, I went like several months and, you know, Melissa's really good at what she does. And she sort of like noticed that there's like all kind of tension going on in my body, but she loosened up enough muscles that one day I, my, I was like, my body was like my, I just, I felt like I needed to move, move my hip or something, you know, it was like, I was uncomfortable, but I, my body was telling me it needed, it wanted me to move a certain way. And, uh, now granted I'd had this pain for two and a half years and I was at my ex-husband's house for after a, a boy scout uh, thing with my sons with our sons and i went to the counter and i grabbed the hold of the counter and i crossed my right leg over my left like and i, I did mm-hmm. like a deep squat right or if you're a yoga person it's kind of like the the four you know you're doing sure. the, the the four and i did a like really deep squat and i felt this like pop and i stood up and i had no pain wow. and i was like <laughs> looking around i'm like I, I don't have any pain right now. My fucking pain's gone. Two and a half years of this like constant presence. And so I went back to Melissa and I was like, hey, my pain's gone. She's like, fantastic. I go, but now my neck hurts. Uh-huh. My uh-huh. arms hurt. And everything. <laughs> she was like, well, you've been in pain for two and a half years. Your body's been like in, clenched in pain right? for two and a half totally, years yeah. and now that pain's gone and we need to work through all the rest of it so so melissa Bravo. what yeah. is myofascial therapy uh myofascial release is really our focus is on the fascia of the body which is uh people can know it as connective tissue or in an orange, you have the peel that surrounds the orange. It protects it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the tissue that separates it into wedges. That's fascia. Uh, mm-hmm. In a grapefruit, right? You kind of mm-hmm. cut around it because it's too dense and you right. don't want to chew on that. Um, and then even the pulp has some uh, tissue around it. That's fascia as well. So even in the cellular membrane of our bodies is surrounded by fascia. Um, there's also a gelatinous piece. So the cells are all floating in our body, right? They're not in like super water. They're in a uh, fascial component. And so that can also get dense and more plastic as opposed to like jello. So there's some different types, elastin, collagen, and then that kind of um, cellular matrix, they kind of call mm-hmm. it. So basically the biggest and amazing insight that they come with working with fascia is, and what you'll notice when you're on my table, is that we camp out and we hang out because it takes time for that to soften. So as opposed to when you get a massage, which feels really good, I love massage, and they rub on the tissue mm-hmm. and they work on those trigger points um, and they're moving Um myofascial release we find that spot and we just hang out and we engage into resistance so sometimes it's kind of a buzzword but really some people are just doing soft tissue mobilization or scraping or just pushing through it and so we just go to resistance and then we just wait and let the fascia soften and melt so mm-hmm. you're just riding those edges it works with fight or flight too so you're not bracing and that amount of attention on the body especially where someone has pain or tightness allows us to connect with that again. 
So when we do our inventory, we can go into those places that we've been kind of kicked out of because we have pain. I mean, when you're sitting, yeah. you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to, you have to like block it out a little bit so you can get through your day. Like, so you can't not sit. <laughs> so you're going to block it out. But meanwhile, to heal, you know, and to really feel what's going on, you have to get back in your body or get back to into that shoulder that you ignore all day to just do what you're doing. And so sitting there with that time component, you're releasing structurally the tissue and the fascia, but you're also allowing the neuro to just kind of reconnect and allow that to get back into your inventory for that primal part of you to feel safe again. So that's that deep, true healing. That's why you walk away and you feel great. You know, you're on a table massage therapy. It feels good, but then you stand up and there's that shoulder mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. she but, like the first one of the first or first or second uh session i had with her <laughs> i you know she was done she'd worked on like the area of the tissue right like right you know, like right below the small of your back but like right above like right where your tailbone would be like there's like this fatty part of your butt sacrum the sacrum right <laughs> and so she she worked on it and like you know she like you know whatever tools she's like just really trying to get that to loosen up and <laughs> After after a session, I, I was stood there and got ready to leave, and I just was bawling. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm crying so much right now. And she's like, no, that happens. <laughs> you were releasing some things. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> so much that we hold on to all the time. Yeah. And in this culture, we're not supposed to show really much. So when we're in pain or we're uncomfortable, we put on our shiny face. And, right. And I can we, get through it go to work and we are mom and we hang out with the do all our stuff and so um do you uh do you see that men are they tougher to work on because i mean just thinking like when you said culturally speaking like we're supposed to put on our happy face um men even more so and so you know women feel Right. No. Women, you know, at least we allow ourselves to cry every now and then. We watch, sure. put that movie on and, you know, get the box of tissues and the chocolate. Uh, do you, is it harder for men to have that release when you've worked with them in the past? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would say just from working on people. And, of course, it's going to be different for everybody. Um I would say even they would wait longer to come in, realizing that they need help, mm-hmm. that they need something that uh, is not that they've tried before. Not traditional. Yeah, not traditional. So yeah. they're going to, you know, and so they're going to wait even longer. So especially any tailbone pain, they're going to be have even more um, reservation about talking about that kind of pain for yeah. sure. So then they're, they're going to just put up with it for a while, which is going to make it worse with that compensation that you noted earlier. So then mm-hmm. by the time they come in, the other pieces too, though, they're like ready. Like, I don't know what this is, but someone told me this works. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, they've done the research. They're like, just, yeah, whatever you have to do. Like, I'm just over this. And, no, I totally understand that mm-hmm. that feeling. Like, whatever you have to do to help me because this pain. I mean, I had the bone scan. I had. Really? I went to a, like the pain management people, and they they gave me a cortisone shot. Yeah. Shots that and meds. was like the worst. I, I about came up off the table. It was horrible. I mean, just think like a cortisone mm-hmm. shot at your tailbone mm-hmm. and it, cause it didn't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the, to me, I think the problem was whatever ligament or tendon or something was not in the groove it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So let's say, you know, it's supposed to be in, and it was just to the left of it, but it sat there to the left of it for two and a half years and I, through, you know, releasing it. And then that, that yoga move popped it right back in. And then, <laughs> 
like subsequent months and you know things like that, I could I could having been aware of my body and I could feel it like maybe like trying to pop back out, but I would know okay I'll just do this this little hip movement and pop it right back in. Okay, huge piece to it. Yeah, you know the awareness that comes from the work from myofascial release is. Be- you start to feel what your body needs or say your hip is out and you we give you the tools or the techniques or stretches or you even just, again, that increased awareness. So you kind of get a feel for what your body is needs. Pain is the body asking for attention. And so we can get that feedback sooner than when it's chronic. Then we can adjust and stretch or kind of figure out what's going on. Now, you have a particular passion in working with people that have had kind of traumas to their body, breast cancer survivors and, you know, people that have those kinds of problems. And um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you found yourself going down that path and and um, maybe share uh, some of the differences in, in working with that kind of tissue? Sure. Um, I think it shows up. Um, I uh, It's cash pay, right? So it's not covered by insurance, which even if someone goes to a PT clinic quite often, they're not going to get an hour of manual therapy. And Mm so it's not like it's covered anyway. So, and PTs don't really have the time to do it because insurance isn't going to reimburse for that kind of time. And, and, you know, there's some really great PTs out there, but they're still dealing with the insurance company. So it's that kind of piece. physical therapist, right? Correct. And then, so by the time someone comes to me and they're ready to pay cash or they're open to that piece, they're... They're really, they're, they've got some skin. They're in it. They really are ready to get better. They're going to do their exercises. They're going to be really open to what we're doing. The feedback is really a nice loop. They're not just laying there going to the beach in their head. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really like, what's going on here? Wow, I feel it over here kind of thing. They're really nice and alert. So someone who is at that space has tried everything. They've tried the stuff that insurance pays for and they're not getting better. And they don't want another surgery and they don't want to be on pain meds. And then they find me. And they often, they're like, how come I, I wish I would have found you sooner, which is a really beautiful compliment. Could and, you tell the story about the child that you helped who's, who was born with like the misshapen head? Yeah. Would you tell that story for I our listeners? I was working on the mother and then um, she, you know, once you start talking to someone, they kind of figure out what all, I, you know, what we can help with. And so um, her daughter had a... Um, misshapen head that the doctor wanted to put in a helmet, which is quite common. You see them around a Mm -hmm. lot now, and they even make fun helmets. Like, it's not really that bad. It looks like a helicopter pilot helmet or something. But really, um, uh, I think she was maybe four months, three months, four months. I feel like she was sitting. It's been a little while. But so it was just really incredible a, it's just so beautiful to work on the little ones. And they're not on the table like, what is she doing? Why is she sitting there so long? This is bullshit. I don't know what I'm doing. And then, so they're just like into it. And you just do the tiniest little, you're not moving their bodies. You just hold them in a sense. And it's such a beautiful reminder that our bodies know how to heal. And like you found that position yeah. and your body put itself back into place. And so if the tissue is pliable, it can move, you know, it's it, it will. And so with the babies, they're not in their head and they don't have all this built up stuff over time. And so we do a, a lot of cranial sacral work and just working with her. And I think I did six sessions and with the babies they are not an hour. It just depends on what they're up for. You just let yeah. them lead the show. Mm-hmm. And I think it was around the third session and the mom comes in and I work with 
all kinds of people and all kinds of babies, but you know, you're working specifically. And she had a specific bump in the front of her head that kind of crowned forward. And, you know, and of course the back is going to align to make that happen. And so I'm, I remember kind of focusing on that. Like that's what I was looking to soften or that mm-hmm. where I would see the difference. And the third session, she comes in and she goes, well, my husband thinks this is actually working. And we both look at him and we're like, really? And we look and I was like, oh, and her head was opening from the inside out. Like if you, you know, stuck your thumb yeah. in your mouth and like blew out and yeah. like blew out your face like a balloon. And it was becoming wider and expanding from the inside out where I was thinking that we would just smooth this, like, yeah. you know, you just imagine what it would look like, which the beautiful part of this work is we don't have an agenda. Like I don't go, oh, for a bump, we do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. You just put your hands and you just, well, we have all these tools or handhelds or techniques. And then you just see what the body needs and you go with how you look. And of course, when you do it forever, you've touched so many bodies, you can kind of and get feel that feedback way. really yeah. well. Yeah. And so by six sessions, and of course the doctor's like, oh, those head positions I showed you must be working, you know? <laughs> that she was helmet, like, oh, right. The yeah. helmet that you- uh, I guess you don't need a helmet. Like she made them measure and everything and they got out of the woods and didn't need a helmet. And she looked, you know, beautiful. And again, those last couple sessions just smoothed it right out. And wow. just an honor. I mean, it's just a beautiful, amazing And did you say you, just, you had helped a, a child with scoliosis as well? Um, I don't have a specific, like the helmet kind of thing, you know, that came in for that. We work with women, um, and children. I had a child with autism that I worked with from age two and he, it was amazing. That instance where, uh, he, and again, you're, you're just seeing what they're up for and what will work. And if they give you more than one session, right? Because it can't happen in one session. Yeah. And so, you know, that conversation with the parents as well, like it's, not going to work. But the first session, you know, like I might need three to six or whatever. So I have the first session with this little boy, two years old, autistic. And for me, what that means when I'm looking at him, all his attention is internal. So he's in his, he's not looking or making eye contact or doing those uh, familiar things that people with kids on the spectrum might um, be around. But the mom, was on the ground. We're singing songs. And luckily, I have a camp counselor in my (laughs) resume. So we're singing songs. We're hanging out. And I'm working with him. And again, doing some cranial work. And mom's holding him sometimes, that sort of thing. And so I'm working on him at one point. And then, you know, when they want to crawl around, you just let him crawl around. And you get him in the next kind of sit down. And he crawls over to his mom. And he looks right in her face. And she starts crying. She's just tears rolling down her face. made eye contact with her? And I don't realize that he never has done that. Right? Oh, wow. So I'm just like, oh, this is a beautiful moment. And again, I just get to be in awe and watch and just witness. And she's just like, he's never looked at me in the eye like that before, mm-hmm. ever. And that was the first time mom and her son. And he's a twin. And his twin um, did a lot of kind of covering up, you know, like mm. he didn't have to ask for much because she would get it for him, like uh, water or, you know, whatever yeah. it was. So they had their cool twin thing going on. Is the twin also on the spectrum? No. Oh, Fascinating. Yeah. And so um, so between the two, you know, they had this little thing. So anyway, she would bring the sister along just because mom's with both kids. And so sometimes I would work on her as well because she would like to yeah. I would be on the table too. And <laughs> so we would do work on both the kids. But that was, again, just an all moment. But I mean, mm. just as much as it makes me think, and it's so out of context, but I've had experiences with couples working on that and a man holding his, you know, his partner's cervix and just crying like this is the most intimate 
we've ever been. You okay, know, so that kind of piece. What what is what is a couple going to see you for <laughs> that has them working on her cervix? Right. And so what is that therapy? Would be, yeah. The piece would be, you know, myofascial release is a whole body system, right? And so then you have people in trauma, like you asked earlier. So someone might come in for pelvic floor pain. Uh, whether they have painful intercourse or they have bladder issues, incontinence or burning, um, they might just have pain. And so um, and so you can work pelvic floor wise. And so um, it's very clinical and um, in a sense, like you're using gloves and the KY and you're totally draped. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them you're more draped more than you are at the gynecologist. Mm-hmm. And it's very slow and gentle work. And again, it's sustained pressure. So just like if you're working on a shoulder and you find a trigger point or something or a tight fascia there, you're going to hang out and allow the tissue to release. So mm-hmm. same thing, vaginal pain um, and pelvic floor pain, of course, can be uh, men and women. But so the ideal, you know, was working on a woman who had pelvic floor pain and it's expensive to come in constantly. And also um, it's something, it's so beautiful. Like why would you not want this in your life in a continuous sort of way, right? Just like we get massage, it feels really good. Mm -hmm. And it's very, there's a wellness side to this work. Absolutely. Uh Uh And so I had offered, I said, well, of course, if you should just bring your husband in and I can show him how to work on you and you guys can have more consistency. You're going to get better that much faster. And also um, just that shared intimacy. And so what I noticed is um, teaching someone uh, to work. Uh, For example, I had a woman coming in and they were uh, virgins when they got married. And then she had absolutely painful intercourse. He couldn't get anywhere near her. From day one. Yes, from day one. So the poor thing had waited forever. (laughs) And then she's like, it was horrible. And of course, the men are so beautiful and gentle and they don't want to hurt you, right? So then just think of what the setup is, right? Like they're scared to touch you and and you yeah. know, you might say, ow, but really that was a weight, like not right. so fast or something. You know, there's all this kind of communication thing. And then of course they're just bracing, like just yeah, you know, like right. tensing. And up so how and- is that, right? And so this cute, sweet newlywed couple finds me two years later. And so she's in her head just thinking, Well, I'll just have sex twice so I can have my two babies and be done. And um and so I work on her. So she had already been through, had some surgeries where they're like, oh, oh you have too many nerves. So they bring down oh, no. some oh. tissue. Yeah. Anyway, la, la, la. So they they do their part. And so no, then- can we pause this for a second? You have too many too nerves. Too many nerves. I mean, that says to me like, yes. that's, that's a- actually opportunity for real enjoyment. Right. Outside right? of the pain piece. Mm. Right. Like how is, right. How do we, There's, in this context, it's, you know, a beautiful thing and you're going to be that much more sensitive and right. have those experiences. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's just, let's just remove those things and make it happy for you. Smooth it and, out. So you guys and it can might, have and, sex. And right now you might have a little pain with it. Yeah. But let's just go ahead and take them away. So there will be no pleasure or pain. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so oh, dismissive. It's really hard, you know, and, and so, uh, so then they have a scar and pain yeah. and more bracing, you know, but oh it was and gosh. shame probably because, oh my God, I had too many nerves. Well, yeah. And then I'm a woman who, whatever, Wait. you're this failure that can't please your husband or that can't maybe even have a baby or all these things that you kind of work up or yeah. with that women or, you know, that we identify ourselves as. So it's mm. just another, a betrayal of your body. Yeah. Like those list of things that we don't like our body for that is kind of subconscious, but they're, so there's so much that comes with it. So, so you, were you able to help 
get her to a place of, yes. It was lovely. I work on her for a couple sessions. And again, um, she could notice a change. She could notice a difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After six sessions, they're humping like they should be. It's all beautiful. (laughs) And I had brought him in to teach him. And part of it was so amusing, just amazing because I hadn't worked with couples so much in that context. And so what you notice is the communication. Mm -hmm. And so it's so much of um, left, right, no, right there. Oh, push. So say I work on her first so she can feel exactly where I am. And then I'll kind of talk them through it because you're vaginal, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. make for good TV. You can't see where my hand mm-hmm. is or my finger. And so then to work with her and then have him work on her and then she can guide him. Right. And so then they have to be able to be guided. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we talked about yeah. before. Yeah. And then the part where they're so precious and they don't want to hurt her. So anytime she says ow or moves uncomfortably, they're, oh, they're out of there. Like, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and really, it's a wait. So then it's like, move slower, tell her what you're doing before you get there. Right. There's this amazing piece where like their attention locks in together. Because they're so caring, and she so wants it, and yet vulnerable, invulnerable, and trusting. And yeah, and it was just so beautiful to witness, and then to teach them so that they can continue that work if it shows up again, or if mm-hmm. it becomes a holding pattern where we just clench because that's just what we've known for years, or however it started. Yeah. It doesn't really matter as much as we become aware of it, and then they have the tools that they can take care of it, and beautiful way to be intimate without the politics of the bedroom. Like, let's have a pelvic floor date and I'll work on you and here's my perineum and you can work on my perineum and it's just a way that the tissue the body can soften that we can increase our awareness I mean sitting here you might know I can say Michelle feel your tailbone right now oh I feel it and you're like you know exactly where it is because of all the beautiful work that you did yeah but most of us we're not having that work like you know where's your feel your tailbone it's not in your attention. Like you can say, here's my right hand and it's in my yeah. attention. I can feel my left big toe because I'm wearing cowboy boots. It's a little pinched. Yeah. But to <laughs> find my tailbone, right? Unless you're having that work, you have to kind of, there's just like a down there kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So then when you add the intimacy or having sex and being in our body or having vaginal orgasms, those kinds of things, it's a presence that sometimes I feel like is structurally, like just from an attention you know, is blocked off. It's not in our inventory. No. Because it's been, you know, obviously shut out with culture and everything else. And of course, being taught down there. And of course, moms now are totally loving our kids and teaching them to love their bodies and and really be proud of it. But, you know, it's it's Mm -hmm. a long time coming. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So one of my favorite things, and it doesn't happen that often, because again, I'm in my clinic working with people with pain. Um, I'm starting a course to work with women recovering from breast cancer um and that was another beautiful story having Mm -hmm. a woman come in and i worked in all kinds of different women recovering from breast cancer they come in just like someone with knee pain or whatever else but this particular woman had driven like two hours away to come see me from southern missouri and um she had a um, bilateral mastectomy. She had cancer on one side, bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction surgery, and one of the implants was rejected. Oh, gosh. Mm. Yeah. So it was not, you know, they took it out. Yeah. So I I hate to interrupt this great conversation, but my glass is empty. And oh, yeah. I, would, <laughs> I would like to take a moment, fill my glass back up, and then dive into and this and this this story about Beautiful your idea. about your about your um, patient, I guess you would call her. Your sometimes we call them patients or uh, clients. 
because we're not Lions quite sure. Circulations. <laughs> right. And okay. then we'll, we'll really get into that. All right. Beautiful. So let's just take a quick okay. break and we'll be right back. back and I really appreciate you guys giving me a moment to put some more wine in my glass and uh, you know yes. get reset a little bit here because I was focused on my tailbone and I wanted to be focusing on the uh, on the story on the story so Melissa you had a clation or a client or a client or a patient <laughs> who had come to you sought you out had driven several hours and she had, had a double mastectomy and, and had already had reconstruction or that yes. was coming? and it was a rejected. And a rejected implant. Mm-hmm. All right, so. So she had a rejected implant. She was, um, most people when they come see me, they're wearing a sports bra and a pair of shorts or something so I can see you standing. I want to see your body and gravity and you catch all these things that you can't see from a, with mm-hmm. a sheet from the chin down. So she was wearing a sports bra. She had a prosthetic in. And she's wearing her shorts. She'd come in because she had lymphedema. So she had her specific goal was lymphedema in her arm at the side where the implant was rejected as well as the side that had had the cancer. Um, So when when you start working with someone, it's very gentle work. And there are also times when we get really specific. But I started with a beautiful arm pull just to kind of feel what's going on and kind of see where some of that original tightness is coming from. And when I touched her just really lightly as I was kind of feeling around, she was she had some pain that was sharp along the ribs along her armpit here. And so I barely touched her and she's just like, I didn't even know that hurt. So then I'm interested. Yeah. She's like, I didn't even know it hurt there. But she she recoiled from uh-huh. your touch. Yeah. Wow. And so I said, Can we just look at the scar here? And again, she was kind of covered up and had a little bit of that shame stuff going on. And so I work on her. She takes off her sports bra off. We've got a little pillowcase, so she's kind of covered. And then we start working on the scar. And I've worked with pain, you know, now pain patients for over 20, like, I don't know, 19, 20 years. And this was one of the one of the hardest scars I'd seen, just the trauma. Um, she had the radiation burn. Wow. Um, the imp- implant, there was just this concave space where the implant was that was rock hard. And concrete and again gray and blackened from all the trauma from just the mm-hmm. beautiful life-saving cancer treatments that she needed and yet uh, again after all the experience I've had but then just seeing that just the wave of trauma and so I felt that the, all those feelings you feel like in a quick half second like mm-hmm. I felt a little nauseous mm-hmm. and then I just feel this kind of sadness this grief just of what she's been through and then I was pissed I was just angry like Who's letting her walk around like this? Yeah. Like, and who's going to cut on her and put an implant in and tell her she's going to be fine? Like, how is that going to be successful without any work here? And I just had, like, every cell in my body, I was just like, this is not okay. You're very empathic, it sounds to me. And I just thought, I've been to doctors and talked to them, but they do what they do. And they're really good at it, but that's what they do. And they don't have space for it. They don't have time for it or the PT clinics, that kind of thing. And so I thought, I just have to get to the women. 
Yeah. So that's when I started with the Beloved Bust Project, which is just really trying to put together a program or something so I can like breast care one-on-one classes and just teach women how to work on their breasts and how to work on scars and how to to um, get some of that uh, care that they're missing. I call it like filling in the gap, you know, between surviving breast cancer and then getting back to their new favorite self. So let's, uh, if we could go back to patient X. Did you, when you were working on her scars, I mean, what sort of release was happening for her as your patient and for you? I mean, I I realize that Beloved Bust is an outgrowth from this experience, but, you know, what happened for her and, and you as a side effect, but like what happened for her during this time that you worked with her? Um, my thoughts first go structurally, just how amazing that it was. Like the tissue softened and pinkened out, and it was amazing. The elasticity comes back. It was it's just incredible. So it re- rejuvenated. Yeah, the lymphedema is gone. She's not wearing her sleeve what? constantly. So she might, you know, as you lymphedema can be increased with heat or uh, activities. So she's not having to wear it all the time. Amazing. Like, it was incredible. Um, and she was one of those patients. Sometimes they do, they get better and they're, that's, you know, you just don't see them anymore. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was just incredible. Um, and just such a, and I don't even know if she realizes what a life-changing uh, experience it was for me and my work and my mission and just how much I'm, you know, again, I I just think women's health is so important and so neglected in even research when women go online to try and figure out what can help them. Well, there's not a lot out there. Okay. So, you know, I've had cancer, but it was, it was cold and not, I wouldn't undo the typical thing, me female thing, but it was only right. Yeah. Um, so, it, but it was colon cancer. So that's a whole nother type of s- symptoms and, you know, things to be aware of. But I can honestly say, you know, with with your breasts and, you know, even remember when Channel 5 was like, the five, today's the fifth of the month. You should, you know, do your, self, your breast self-exam. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't have it. I would think that there are women out there like myself that would be afraid to do the exam because what you might find. Oh, totally. You know, like, oh, I don't think I'm going to do an exam because I don't want to know. If, I don't want to know. I don't want to yeah. know. And it makes <laughs> it makes it scary. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And maybe, this is my aha moment after I've had a, a glass or two of wine, with the beloved bust, if we are educated and nurtured and trained and groomed from the very moment our boobs start to come in, that it's not a, let me see if I can find something wrong, but let me just see about maintaining the health. That's beautiful. Is the idea that when I teach a breast care 101 class, say you have me instead of book club, you know, one month. And so the idea is like, not just to examine, but to treat them like, oh, this feels dense or this feels tighter or different over here than over here and you give you specific tools where you can treat it it's amazing and one of the things we do is when we could play this game if you want what's your first <laughs> breast memory michelle oh like uh, one day you're on the planet and you're just a little girl running around and then the next day all of a sudden there's boobs like it just like oh, yeah. you just are in your attention they don't have to be your own what's yours um i remember it was during the summertime and i was 
you know, in my neighborhood playing and I was like getting ready to ride on my bike and I'm getting ready to go over to my friend's house. And I was just like, all of a sudden I kind of like looked down and I'm like, I was kind of embarrassed. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Something's kind of popping out here, you know? And I was very ashamed. And I just remember like, you know, that quick, it was, it literally was like an overnight kind of thing too. It was like all of a sudden there was like, Nubs. Right. And then I remember, like, my mom quickly then taking me to the store to get the training bra, which is also very embarrassing. And I remember just being so embarrassed about the fact that, oh, now you could see underneath my T-shirt that I was wearing a bra and straps. And, you know, I was one of the first girls to have the training bra. So I was even more like— Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. You know, it was very—I was very— I was mortified by it. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you have your periods. You tell your like inner circle, you know, but everyone sees that you're going through puberty. Like mm-hmm. it's not a choice. And mm-hmm. so the boys, it's very the girl, visible. everyone. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Boys would remember they would snap, snap oh, your bra yeah. strap on totally. the back. Yeah. We would do that. And you're like mortified by that. And um, unfortunately, when you said, you know, what, what's your first, you know, memory of having boobs? Mine's not a pleasant one. And I remember I was leaving my sewing class, you know, I was in fourth grade and, um, you know, I knew that I had I was having like the nubs were coming in. Right. I knew I knew that. But I don't recall if I had had training bra yet. And my dad was picking me up from from sewing class, and uh, I was just like really happy. And my father is in the car, and he's laughing. He is beside himself laughing. And I get in the car, and I said, "Why, what, Dad, Daddy? Why are you laughing?" And he said, "Oh, when you walk, your boobs—they just bounce up and down, oh and up and down, God, and up and down." That's and, terrible. Yeah, and yeah. I like mortified. Oh. Yeah, and mortified. Yeah. Isn't that awful? Oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> it's terrible. And so picture that, right? That's as your a, first as impression a, as a 10 year old. Welcoming these, the girls. Yeah, the girls in. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the back of a bus, school bus, fifth grade, the cute boy that you have the secret crush uh-huh. on that you'll never be wrong, oh. whatever. And you you're just naming, starting you're not even going to say right? his name right now because you don't want him to know. <laughs> <laughs> and so my friend came home with me every day after school because her mom was working, whatever. So she would ride the bus with me. So we were buddies. And um, she was more developed. And um, so first, the boy calls out her that she has boobs, right? So he, I don't even remember what he said. Of course, it wasn't my TV, but her TV, she might have her own, like, oh, Lord, that guy. So points out that she has breasts or her boobs, nubs, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he catches me. I was, I looked down at my shirt and I had nothing. <laughs> and I even remember the shirt. I had this little girl shirt on, like a little cloud puffy cloud with a rainbow yeah like i have a little girl shirt on and i'm looking and he goes nope not yet oh my god red just in front of everybody you know of course it's like the whole scene of the back of the bus and that was like the very first time where i'm like oh right there's something different about uh me yeah and so then you have like the boys don't know how to handle it. They're not taught how to respect or whatever. The changes. Yeah. Because the boys' change is happening inside his pants. No one sees it. You know, and they'll hide it if they have yeah. erections or whatever. But it's not like you, oh, suddenly you're walking around and you have, you know, boobs. Yeah. You know, and now you can't like, you have to like watch how you move in the hall or, or you know, you like pass people. Kind of hiding with the books. Hiding with the books, of yeah. course, you know. And then, then like realizing, 
when it's cold and then your nipples oh, get hard, right. right? And you're like, this is so embarrassing. And then they they, they treat you like you can control it. Yeah. You're like, no, I can't control this. <laughs> yeah. But you think you should be able to, right? You're like, I should, my, my boobs are, my, my nipples are always hard. I don't know what to do about this, you know? And, and this is as a, as a, you know, a young woman mm-hmm. and you're just embarrassed about every bit of, you feel like your body's betraying you every step of the way. Right. My you know? idea is that doesn't necessarily go away. You know, we kind of it stuck doesn't. it in there. Oh, and we have padded have, bras right, now. But we just have like this, the shame or all that experience mm. is like just there. I think our boobs get pretty abused. I mean, think about our bras. I mean, they they hurt. How often, I mean, seriously, <laughs> how many bras do you have that actually feel good when you wear them? <laughs> What's the first thing you do I, when you come home from you work? Take your you bra take off. your bra off. <laughs> and you know, you always say to your girlfriends, you better call me before the bra is That's off because right. I'm not I'm going not back out. Leave the house. Because <laughs> once it's off, it's free boobing time exactly. and uh, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And I'm a happy person. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not for a lack of trying. I have just as many bras as I have panties. I and we've talked do. about <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. My collection is vast and I hate every single one of them. I've yeah. actually gone, like in the more recent years, I'm just, I'm Bring not wearing them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you but know. You, you have the luxury of that choice. I, yeah, not yeah. all of us have that same choice. But I had a breast reduction. Mm-hmm. After my last child, my boobs were so big, so big. And I had I was done breastfeeding for like a year, and every with every single child, my boobs got bigger. Amazing. And even though even though I would lose weight, they still remained the same size. And so, like the last child, and done breastfeeding, and I, I mean, I couldn't slide. I couldn't get in a booth. I mean, I could, but my boobs would would be on the table. Yeah. If I laid yeah. on, if I laid on my back, they would flop to their si- They'd flop to the mm-hmm. size, and they were so heavy. And so, it, it, what is this part too? Right. So, women don't know all this stuff. Like, say my breasts are small. So, my girlfriend, like a roommate of mine, was telling me because I'm like, "Oh, your tits are fabulous, honey." And she's like, "Oh yeah, wait till it, you're like all making out and you're into this, and then they're feeling their boobs are like go like this. She's like, you gotta like <laughs> push together. them together. Right. <laughs> right. You're like, wow." I didn't even think about yeah. that. Like, there's these all these pros and cons to like and the yeah. ranges. I used right. to I used to joke, you know, that's air quotes people, but I used to joke that my boobs would come into a room and then five minutes later I would walk in, <laughs> you know. And of course, they would always say, "No, like eyes up here," but because they were so big. And then I had breast reduction surgery and a fantastic plastic surgeon here in St. Louis, and 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 it was a female, and I was really glad I went to a female because she was very. Um, particular about preserving the nipple sensation nice um, because she didn't just cut it off put it on the side do the business and and sew it back on you know she was very meticulous about maintaining those those nerve connections right and then um and she said besides breast reconstructions she loved to do reductions she said anything i can do to make women feel more beautiful that's what she confidence and the and and i was like i was so happy after my I had the reduction mm-hmm. and the and the lift, so like I my, awesome. my nipples will never 
point down mm-hmm. ever. I, I will be 85 <laughs> and they still will not point down towards the floor. So, you know, that's like, that's a little bit of like, hey, pat me on the back. Mm-hmm. But she took five, well, and, she took and five as a, pounds My special therapist, I'm going to say your shoulders are probably happy, your low back. I did not realize neck. how much pain I was in until yeah. it was gone. Sometimes and she took five or... pounds off my chest. Yeah. So add a five pound, add a five pound uh, package of hamburger meat (laughs) around your neck (laughs) Mm -hmm. and walk around with that. Right. Oh, well, one of my, (gasps) I think that would be magic for our young women that are growing up because no one sees bodies anymore. So say in other cultures and they have bathhouses and mm-hmm. there's women of all ages, right? For us comparing and thinking we need to look at this age as ideal and this size of body and this breast. And so when I have like young women or like my daughter's friends, cause they know I'm around bodies and I talk about vaginas and boobs all the time and, and just in a, it's just, it's just part of life. Here's yeah. your knee, here's your boobs. You know, everyone's like, oh, someone's areola is bigger or someone's nipples don't stand out because so-and-so's nipples really stand out. And then, or does that mean mine are okay? Or am I going to be able to nurse when I'm older? And just all these yeah. things that show up that that people and women don't grow up knowing that their body is perfect and and unique or just like someone else's. Again, because we're not exposed to that. We and we're are not so talking private about it. and this culture is so mm-hmm. has... I think that underlying kind of shame piece to it. I felt embarrassed when I was uh, I had gone to this um, this uh, spa sauna in Europe this past uh, fall, and I I didn't know when you walked in you were it was a female only that everybody in there was going to be naked. And I like walked in in my bathing suit, and I felt embarrassed because I wasn't naked. And all, <laughs> with the program, and everybody, all these, and they're all like older, you know, you know, Eastern European, and you know, Scandinavian, yeah. or whatever. And they're like, they they started to be uncomfortable because they sensed how uncomfortable. And I was like, I I don't know, do I just take my bathing suit off yeah. right here? Like, Honey, can you help me here? <laughs> do I do I walk out and then come back in naked? I don't know. I and I just sat oh. on, you know, and sweated in my bathing suit and I had the towel and then like slowly they all left. <laughs> oh. Cuz I was like what where do I look? Cuz Everybody else is totally fine with their nakedness. Yeah, yeah. you think about it. They're really like right. hanging out. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm in my I'm in my bathing suit and probably like this neon light above my head that said American, American. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, yeah. Will I next time go to a sauna and automatically walk in naked? I can't say that maybe, I will. Well, maybe, the, maybe asking what the tradition is there would be fair, right? I, that way you're not. I think I it's know. good for us, you know, especially if you're with other women who are comfortable with yeah, their they, body they and they're totally... actually looking at your face. Yeah, they're they not were. comparing their bush. Like they're just hanging out like <laughs> chatty. Yeah. Like, like, there's like, nothing to it, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm embarrassed that I had covers on, that I had mm-hmm. on my, my swimsuit. I can't remember which one. There was uh, Maya Angelou uh, and she was talking in one of her amazing books and just some interaction where she was out of the country and someone uh, and the women aren't wearing clothes and they're bathing. It's just women. But someone had said, oh, so you've had kids. How many kids do you have? Because you can tell with your yeah. breasts, you yeah, know, but you it can. was an honor and it was this beautiful, like, tell me about your children. Um, kind of moment that we will never experience in this culture. You know, that idea of sharing that piece or having those inner knowings as opposed to comparing and really our attention is on ourselves and one breast is bigger than the other and Mm -hmm. all whatever it is that we think is not normal when really if we saw a sea of boobs, we'd be like, oh. 
Yeah. My boobs are just right. Everybody's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your boobs are what you were supposed to have. Yeah. You know, thank, you know. But- and just how magical they are, just like vaginas. Like we push out babies, like we mm-hmm. feed and you know, other nurture humans. And yeah. <laughs> and so it's just. The breasts are amazing. Incredible. Like beyond feeding humans, I, I, I've learned, um, I don't know, through one of the many podcasts that I listened to, that uh, that the breasts, like also, um, that like around the nipple, when a baby is breastfeeding, it is gathering information from the saliva of the baby about what the baby needs from a nutrient standpoint. That's and amazing. the mother then makes a custom formula basically for the baby's needs in that moment, in that time. So does it need more iron? Does it need more whatever it is? And the mother then Adjust. is, is adjusting for the baby. That's amazing. Isn't that phenomenal? And she's working. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she's and she's, <laughs> she's doing, cooking dinner. She's doing all this other stuff too. She's keeping her job. That's like one thing she happens to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Making making personalized formula, you yeah. know? That's but then awesome. I can see when you're Tap like that. pumping at work and not, your baby's you're not, not actually taking it at that point that in time. Feedback that, loop, yeah. That, yeah, that there's a mm-hmm. disconnect. Um yeah, I was always amazed at, you know, the ability to to make milk. It's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty like unnerving when you're twenty something years old <laughs> and you have your baby and you're like leaving the bathroom to go to, and you're like I, I'm just leaving a trail of milk as I'm down walking the down the hallway and I don't know how to stop it. You Forget know? the breadcrumbs. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, there's a milk path, you know, oh, and, and uh, you're like I don't know what am I supposed to, you know? And you've just got to get the baby on, and then you know, uh, with my twenty year old, he's now twenty. All I he, I just felt like all I ever did was nurse him. It was like from one <laughs> breast to the next breast. I never got to do anything. I couldn't even go pee because he just he was so hungry and eating and eating. And I finally I started to give him like cereal at six weeks so I could do something else. And I mean he's totally fine, but I mean is he still always hungry? I don't know. <laughs> is I, he a boob I, guy? <laughs> he might be a boob guy, but I don't think he's going to tell me and, <laughs> because that would seem a little awkward, right, a little Oedipus there. You know, right. he can keep that to himself. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I think I think we we have we have to learn to celebrate our our bodies at an earlier age and and make make having bras and make the the boob. A beautiful part and not not an embarrassing part the goddess kind of piece the goddess yes. piece and and if i could if i could tell any potential father or current father listening to this show mm-hmm. never ever ever mock your daughter oh my god for something no. that is completely out of her control oh i will come and terrible. haunt you in your dreams <laughs> indeed because that stuff is it, it lasts forever you know, yeah, and you just want to, you just want to, and boys, there's no reason, no. there's no reason for them to snap bra straps. No, there's no it's, reason. We need to respect each other's bodies. Yeah. It's and, such a huge piece to, yeah, yeah in that uh, formation and the sense of how we view our bodies as well as other people's bodies. And I don't know if this is just a theory, but you know, that part where women, um, I think we all talk about it, you know, that undercurrent of maybe an uninvolved thought or moment when we're comparing ourselves to another woman or putting someone else down in our head, um, that that comparison uh, or comparing putting ourselves down compared to someone else, another woman, starts at that age. 
Really? Yeah. It like does. When you, I mean, obviously, people compare themselves with the academics or in the ham. It's but just also in looks. Like when, you know, that's the first time where there's these differences and distinctions that start to show up that's out outside of our control. It's not how often we raised our hand or any of this or someone's mm-hmm. more athletic than someone else. It's all the look piece, you know, that self-conscious based on um, on how confident we are in how we present ourselves in yeah. a sense. And yeah. so you have the women that develop early, the young girls that develop early and they're ashamed and they hide mm-hmm. it. Yep. You have the and you, girls and you that crouch, don't develop. Right? And you slouch right. your totally. shoulders that stuff lasts and then your spine gets out of whack. <laughs> yeah. And the girls who don't develop early and they're padding, they're Same like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're doing the opposite. And they're just ashamed. Yeah. 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 So it's, there's like not a, a, a good end of the spectrum in a sense. So the idea, you know, the Breast Care 101 classes, like we get to women and we get to talk about that sort of thing and how healing it can be. But mm-hmm. hopefully we pass it down to the other young women in our lives and girls that they can grow up and, again, feel really good about where they're at and also be really gentle with each yeah. other with where their friends are at. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that's perfect. Um, why don't we take an, our final little break here and do our final refresh? And then we, we have, have not to talk talked about, about, about our wine. wine. It's almost gone. So let's make sure to talk about it when we come back. And then, uh, I mean, our yeah. listeners, fortunately, got all of our Instagrams before the episode dropped. Yes. So they're drinking along with us going, when are we going to hear the reaction? Let's, let's talk about this. Yeah. So let's take a, uh, a brief, a real brief break and come right back. During today's conversation, we heard Melissa speak about lymphedema. You might recall that in episode 24, The Beauty Queen with the Big Leg, we spoke with Amy Rivera about living with lymphedema. So if you would like more information, be sure to reference and listen to episode 24. And we're back. We are back. And Emily, I can't believe this is the longest we've ever gone I know, in the episode about the wine. that we didn't even mention the name of the wine oh, and goodness. have our panty uh, I know. reference to it. And it's almost gone. And I think yeah. that's because it's so good and our guest is so interesting. I know. That we just... The sign of a good time. Oh my gosh. Yes. So today we are drinking fourth, as in like the number no, not four, the number. but fourth. Just go so you know, forth. that's my favorite oh, number. No, that's that's just go it, forth. It's a reference to uh, having all boys in the family, and yes. Okay, there's not the actual number. <laughs> it's spelt out just to be clear, <laughs> but it's like called as if you forth. go forth and be happy. And it is a Cabernet Sauvignon from so- Sonoma County. Uh, Dry Creek Valley, 2016. Um, this is a, a really wonderful winery. They, it's a, a woman-owned winery. Wow. And, uh, you know, everything that they do just really delivers on value. Um, you know, wines from this region can be quite pricey. This one is, you know, $20 at the wine merchant. Um, and I think it, it definitely delivers more than that in value as far as the quality of wine that you're getting. Um, you know, on the nose, I get blackberry and vanilla and tobacco and licorice and black currant and cassis and blueberry and fig and so many things. They can just go on and on about the complexity in the nose. On the palate, I get 
some boysenberry and dark cherry and a little grilled meat and dust and cinnamon spice and mushroom. I think this is just absolutely delightful. What about you, Michelle? Well, I like it. I'm I'm glad that we let it sit for a while because, you know, we did have that pre-sip mm-hmm. a couple hours ago, mm-hmm. chit-chat and strategy, stuff like mm-hmm. that, and is much better now than that right out of the bottle, just opened glass or sip. Um, I, I've, this wine to me is a little rambunctious, Ooh, which then goes with the whole sure. all boys. Yeah, definitely. So I'm thinking like a, a, a pair of panties with the matching bustier. And then we're talking about beloved bus today, but like, mm. I, I'm definitely thinking something with, um, like, you know, like leather that like, um, with it's not all one material, but it's mm. it's kind of like um, very re- it's revealing, but it's still leathery, and it's just sort of like I see. I can't even think of what that would be. It's not it's not so like a fishnet, but it's like it's layered so there leather like a- yum. Yes. Yes, yeah. that is what it is. Okay. So that's because it's kind of rambunctious and kind of, but still strong, right? I get it. I don't, it's just definitely not something that's, you know, very lacy and laid it's back. It's not overly ladylike, is it? It's not overly ladylike, right. but yet it's not a, it's not a bot, it's not a glass or a bottle of wine that is offensive to your ladylike tastes. Got it. Oh, I think that's, yeah. That's spot on. Yeah, Very it's rambunctious. Nice. Melissa, what do you think? I really like it. It does remind me of a steak dinner. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like full. Mm-hmm. Like where There's you're just ravenish kind of feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's very um, satisfying, I mm-hmm. would say, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. lovely. It's Love a keeper. It. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's Absolutely. a keeper. It, it would be one I I would be happy to have in my my uh, cellar, and I would be happy mm-hmm. to share this with other people. Pull that on the table with a lot of confidence. Oh yeah, just you would have lay it out. You have mm-hmm. no, you would have no worries sharing this. You know, bringing this to a to a party um, or having it with your friends. You and would have shame. good wine karma. Yeah, no shame, and you know, you're you'd be like totally ready to take anybody on yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah lots Great. of good energy in this wine so yeah well cheers to that cheers everyone to that. that's a i'm yeah. so glad we finally got to the oh, wine part no hello because that's what <laughs> emily's so excited about the wine i know part. we just skipped right past we it. were talking about boobs all and day right the distinctions yeah, we, right you make in. about wine are amazing mm. it's lovely Oh well, well like I'm sure that shows up in many other arenas as like well. Like every every boob is different. Exactly. Yes. Every bottle of wine is different. <laughs> Very and, true. And uh, we love them all. Indeed. So I'm curious when you said you know I in, instead of having your book club have me come in, <laughs> what would that look like? You know, <laughs> if if you come in and have a Breast care one ladies, and you're like, yes, let's have breast care one over. Like, is everybody there topless? Like, what are you? What does that party look like? So, like, what does that party look like in St. Louis versus other places? <laughs> in St. Louis, I use balloons, right? We use okay. fishnet tights to kind of show what the uh, fascia is looking like and what the body and the structure. We kind of give that insight, right? And we talked mm-hmm. about a little bit of fear in that 
like, oh, I don't want to do self-exam because what am I going to find? find it? What if I find so cancer? I get to tell women what your body is doing and what the fascia is and what density is and how we can really feel what's going on. So if anything changes in your breast, you're going to be the first one to know it if you need some extra attention or go to the extra visit to the doc. So we talk about it like that, right? We talk about our first breast memories because it gets mm-hmm. everyone in that space of really seeing each other and that we were all had those experiences, you know? And then we have some who had really amazing experiences and that's beautiful too. We get to say, wow, you know, that, yeah. that it's not always this trauma kind of piece, you know, where they maybe had an older sister that gave them the heads up or gave them a bra before they yeah. needed it. So it was just yeah. like no big thing. Um and so uh, we do that. We talk about fascia. We talk about very specific handholds, but we're using our balloon. Everyone blows up their balloon okay. as big or small as you want. You get to pick and you and you work with that. So that's how we kind of take care of that here. Um, and is that because you just want everyone to be comfortable? But ideally, I, if people could be working on their boobs at that time, it would be the best. Yeah, especially when someone's in my clinic and they're yeah. one-on-one, yeah. I'm showing them very specifically yeah. how to work on their breasts. And of course, especially if that's you know what they're in there for, for scar tissue release or if they have density. Sometimes women might have painful mammograms and just mm. that density, which is a red flag. Don't all of course. women have painful mammograms? Well, they just I, all... Yeah, they're not all fun, are they? <laughs> no, but I have to say, since being a patient of Melissa's over the last few years... Um, when I go for my mammogram, it's it's just, no big deal it's now. A squeeze as opposed to like yeah, the, because yeah. I, I've I've been given the tools to prepare in advance of the mammogram. Wow, you yeah. just soften that tissue; it changes the texture and the density, and allows more shock absorption, so you can take that impact without it being so offensive. Um, wow, yeah, yeah. So then, um, you know, if you get a, a room full of women, you get a bottle of wine, right? And yeah. you're talking about boobs. It's a it's a really good time. Mm-hmm. Now, you recently went to a workshop in California, right, for vaginas. I do. You know, so we talked about how right. I do pelvic floor work. Yeah. And yeah. I had a woman in California who loves the work um, and really appreciates the work and finds it really um, helpful in that embodiment sort of wellness sort of way. And again, it's it's very, it's clinical, right? We're just like working yeah. on a shoulder and you find an area in, uh, in the vaginal canal to be tight, bandy, just like if you have shoulder pain or tightness in your neck and you can really feel the differences or say you have an, a tight tissue on one side of your tailbone, it's going to mm-hmm. pull the tailbone to yeah. the side and create pain when you sit. And so it's really beautiful. The first thing I love to do is map out the vagina because like, where's your cervix, right? Mm-hmm. I don't find a lot of women actually know. And so I'll just map it out like six o'clock. Here you go, ladies. Six o'clock is your tailbone, right? And 12 o'clock, if I'm looking at your vagina, right? 12 o'clock is your bladder and your pubic bones right there, right? And right in the middle at the center of the clock, if it was a clock that had hands, uh-huh. is your cervix. And some cervixes are small and some are, you know, I, yeah. my OB said that my cervix is really uh, large. Like I said, so if I was a man, I'd be really proud. Oh. And she said, you would. Yeah. <laughs> so I just walk around and you're like, where did she get that extra ump? Because I got a large got cervix. My cervix. <laughs> so, but you can... Um, you know, and you can just map that out, which is amazing. So someone can connect and be like, they can feel the input and they go, oh, that's my cervix. Um, so anyway, I was in California and my daughter goes to school there. So I'm there quite often, uh, a couple times a year to visit. And uh, so anyway, this woman asked me to come to her space, to her house and um, teach uh, women, uh, friends of hers, how to talk about the pelvic evolution work that I do and talk about pelvic floor work. So um, we ended up putting together a little workshop 
And uh, I'm from the Midwest, right? Mm -hmm. So I use balloons to demonstrate breasts. And <laughs> you I walk into a sauna with your bathing suit on. I walk into a sauna <laughs> with a couple towels going. And so I, um, I, uh, you know, as, as we got down to it, she was talking about doing the pelvic floor work, like, you know, in the living room. And I had, um, the idea was, you know, obviously my clinic, I'm working with someone, they're quite draped. It's very clinical in a sense. And... So this too, but there's, you know, eight of us in the living room and I was teaching them how to do pelvic floor work on themselves. Cause of course there's some self-treatment just like in the beloved bust work where we work on our own breast. And, um, so that was amazing because it's not a big deal. These women are just learning how to take care of themselves and take care of their bodies. And mm -hmm. it was so, again, you know, just as you're watching and working with someone and you see all these healing processes or people bonding in these really deep, meaningful ways, there's just this group of women that are just really wanting to learn about their bodies and wanting to learn how they can take care of themselves in these, mm -hmm. you know, deep, meaningful ways. And again, talk about shame with our breasts. I mean, wow, vagina yeah, shame is deeper. a real thing. Yeah. yeah. And so that can be such a beautiful process. So that was amazing. So we have like eight women in the living room and we're under sheets, you know. Uh, I think that might have been for me. <laughs> They're trying to make me feel more comfortable. They didn't all leave the room. And like, well, we'll take our naked body someplace yeah. else. And so we have, you know, we're draped and we just have our hands under the sheet and we're working our vaginas mm -hmm. and working on labia pulls and things like that in a very gentle way of taking care of the fascia. And again, it's a continuous form of tissue it's beautiful beautiful work and it's such an honor to share it with other women yeah. because it's for me i just go why do i why am i the only one that knows this or people that do myofascial release i study with um uh, John Barnes, who is an amazing practitioner, and it's a very specific type of myofascial release. Again, the time component. So it's very mm. gentle. We go into the resistance, and then we just hang out and let it soften. I have a question. So you were talking about the cervix and, oh, you know, like finding it and mapping it out and everything. Um, I've always thought that in my own personal experiences that, you know, touching the cervix is a very painful thing. Um, is that, I mean, is part of what you do, like making that not so painful? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I think everyone is so different, just like if they want, um, you know, if they're, where they're sensitive and where pressure or input, you know, it's like an input output kind of thing. And so, um, it, it's such a light touch, you know, you always go where they're, um, open to. So you meet resistance and the resistance might be you're just barely touching fingertip to fingertip kind of feel. Mm -hmm. And then as far as pressure, you're just leaning in just a little bit and just mm -hmm. where they can feel the input. You know, it's uh, different because it's, I, when I say clinical, you know, obviously when you're in the bedroom, you're stimulated in the mm -hmm. sense your vagina is like, over here, how about <laughs> right, over here? Right, right, and right. so clinical, because you're, you know, you got gloves on and you're using KY and you are going, but you go magically just so slow. And if sometimes when you work with someone, you don't even can't get to the cervix because they're still, their attention and they're just, you just Hard go to where relax, they're ready. I would think. Yeah. And yeah. so you just wait and allow and soften. Again, the timepiece. So you're not moving faster than their attention. You're just going right to where the tissue and where they're um, mm. present, really. No one's going away and just like, oh my God, get over it. Just do it. So naturally, the cervix, touching the cervix shouldn't hurt? 
a lot of times it's numb. Like women won't even realize it. They're more sore or tender, say at the entrance of the vaginal canal, the base, um, definitely in the hip. You know, as you go to nine o'clock yeah. and three o'clock, it's very sensitive around those hip, um, all those muscles kind of in that area. They're, you can really reach that area quite effectively for people who are having um, women who are having hip pain. Um, mm. can be really helpful for that. So, but cervix wise, um, usually it's more of a just like, can you feel that? And I have to put a little more pressure so they can actually feel where I am. And so you can, you can, your cervix is in the center. It's almost like a, a fingertip mm-hmm. pointing. So you can go all around it. Sometimes it might be curved or turned to the side. So it mm-hmm. has a little, which is tightness, right? There's, that would mm-hmm. be maybe the pelvis is off or torqued a little well, bit. Well, and I remember um, one time after a session with, with Melissa, another time I was crying, was just <laughs> the realization that, you know, as a as a woman in my 40s at the time who'd had three children and colon cancer surgery and a hysterectomy mm, and bad sex yeah. and, um, you know, Me Too moments. And uh, even with my delivery my my daughter when I my first child my cervix was tilted backward right and it hadn't dilated and I was I was overdue and so you know I had two guys come in to you know residents or whatever because they had to put a balloon inside my cervix to loosen it right or oh to soften it or whatever so they had to go in and they like grabbed it with a tong oh, and pulled it forward God. and then like inserted a balloon and then it inflated that and then I had to like pull on it there's a lot of yeah. trauma that you carry as a woman yeah. that you don't you don't when you when you stop to think about it mm-hmm. it it's it ad, it adds up and it's collected and we and but normally we we just oh well that's just how it goes we just move on yeah but this it's is part of but having it's lady in bits. there mm-hmm. it's in there and so yeah when you are working on the pelvic floor when you're when you're when you're taking that time to sit there mm-hmm. and let it release picture like you holding and cradling in a sense yeah. of just holding that part of you and yeah. you're letting it go and you're mm-hmm. releasing it it is it's more than just a uh, you know, Structure. the muscle, the muscle feels better, like after a massage. And I remember one time I asked Melissa, I said, so like, I'm sure when you go to parties and stuff, people are like, <laughs> so this part of my body hurts, you know, <laughs> will you touch that? And you were so funny. Your answer was like, yeah, I'll touch you, but you got to be ready to cry. <laughs> you know, because I'm sure when I touch your arm, I'm releasing some childhood trauma that you don't realize you have. And, you know, you're going to start crying. So do you really want to do this here this or would you like deal. to come to my clinic? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So yeah. we're not going to have her actually work on us right now because. No. Yeah. No, no, We'll start crying and everybody will be like... I'm all good for holding the tears for another time. (laughs) Depends, but yeah. The room is there for that, which a lot of areas are not, you know? So it can be structure. It can be um, more of that emotional kind of connection, reconnecting with ourselves. um, And then, you know, I think one of the beautiful things is teaching people how to work on themselves because Mm. there's a lot we can do with your foam roller or whatever and we're not really rolling and cranking it's really just allowing our body to soften and open up that's really giving of you you know (laughs) to give away your knowledge and um, educate others to be able to work on themselves and I mean you just in general I can you're such a giving and loving person so that is really really kind and thank you for 
offering that. And thank you for joining us today. Oh my oh God. My amazing. It's such an honor. I know. I love we, could, it. we could talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> um, yeah. It's always, it's always a pleasure to see you. It's wonderful to be here. And, I uh, love what you ladies are up to. It's magic. You. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And likewise, oh my gosh, what you're up to is magic. And yeah. you, you have some events coming up, right? I do. Um, teaching a breast care 101 class. I'll be at the Joy of Yoga in St. Louis. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. It's uh, June 9th, Sunday. So you can sign up at Joy of Yoga. We haven't posted it yet. We're just planning it and putting it all together. So, okay. Um, and then, of course, you could find me on Facebook at Beloved Bust or uh, my clinic is Quantum Healing Arts. And the website is .net. So quantumhealingarts.net if you're looking for me. If they're not in St. Louis, they want to reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. They can just email me through Quantum Healing Arts. I do um, some do breast work on Zoom and such. It's quite easy to show women how to work on their breasts um, and um, scar release and things like that. So I I had a client um, who I worked with from France, which was amazing. I don't speak French and she doesn't speak English. So we had a translator was her friend that was like, you need to speak with my friend Melissa. (laughs) And so it was so amazing and odd and wonderful and and, and just translates beautifully. Yeah, yeah because she wow. was having all these same issues that women, you know, recovering from breast cancer, just having all these residual pain yeah. and tightness and symptoms. So, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's an honor. Well, you'll come back and we'll talk again. It'll be super fun. Fantastic. Look forward to it. All wow. Right. Well, well cheers, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Happy breasts. <laughs> <laughs>